morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter season this Monday, uh, May the 30th, as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 6. The earth was increasing in corruption, and the Lord was sorry that he ever created humankind. Imagine that. That's not a real motivational story. But then Noah enters. We see a picture. We see pictures and stuffed animals of Noah and the ark and little kids' rooms. But this story is much more destruction than you would ever imagine for a little child. But even more of this destruction, we see God's grace. So we pray today, O Lord, help us to see your grace in this flood account. Open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word, we welcome the Reverend Dr. Bob Gierke of South Shore Trinity Lutheran Church in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Pastor Gierke, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you, Pastor Finner. It is uh, good to be with you this morning. On this Memorial Day, hopefully you're having a good Memorial Day and had a good weekend. Uh, indeed I am. It's, uh, it's a day in which we give God thanks for the men and women who have served and those who continue to serve um, in our military as they defend our freedoms. And we hope and pray that uh, their family members are richly blessed. And for those who have lost loved ones, we pray God fills them with peace, hope, and love and the promise of the resurrection. And Pastor, so this is our first time together on this program. Tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at South Shore Trinity. Well, I am uh, going to be celebrating my 40th year in being a pastor this coming June, and it is a wonderful time to give God thanks and praise for his blessings upon the ministries that um, I have been blessed to participate in. I went to Concordia College in St. Paul, where I met my wife, Lynn, who is currently the chair of the teacher ed program there. And we were married in 1978. And we have been blessed with two boys, um, Seth, who is a Lutheran school teacher uh, by degree down. And he is, uh, in, he is called to be a staff member at St. John's in Cyprus, Texas, and they have two boys. And so he is very active down there. And then um, two boys of Will and, named Will and Gus. And then our son Aaron is a, also a graduate of Concordia St. Paul. And his wife Abby also is. And Aaron is pastor at St. Peter and Paul in Houghton, Michigan. Hmm. And they have four grandchildren. Oh. Hazel, Max, Phoebe, and Ari. What? Oh, wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. I was just yeah, going to, yeah. I, I guess I didn't know all that about you. So this is a, a great gift to the Lord and to the church and their service. So tell us more about South, South see, I can't say this very well, South, South Shore, Shore Trinity. Trinity. Tell us more about the work there. I'm going to be kind and just say, when I talk about it from now on, it's going to be SFT. SFT. Abbreviated version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been here now for 20 years uh, as of June 9th. 
and that's going to be a wonderful uh, celebration. Well, we're actually going to celebrate my 40th years of ministry end of July. That's another wonderful opportunity of service. Anyway, um, Social Trinity, we just celebrated our 75th anniversary. It started in 1943. We are located in White Bear Lake, um, pretty much right off of the White Bear Lake, which is one of the largest lakes in the Twin Cities, in fact, somewhat in Minnesota. Um, it is a congregation that is blessed with many talented people, and uh, we love to serve the Lord and share His love in a variety of different ways. In the summertime, uh, we do lakeside services at 945 on the second and fourth Sunday, so we have a sound system that we bring down. And uh, it's kind of a informal service as people bring chairs or blankets, whatever they you know want to do. We also have services on Saturday nights at 5:30, as well as on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock. And um, we have been richly blessed, and we seek to be a blessing to the community. And I could tell you a whole lot more. Depends on how much time you want. <laughs> That's the truth, and that's and that's a, a great language that we that we hear throughout Genesis, especially Abraham. You know that that his name would be named would be great and would be a blessing to all families. So it's a reminder for you, our listeners, that part of our prayer as a church is how can we be a blessing to others? How can we be a blessing to others? Obviously, in the name of Jesus Christ and His and the blood shed for them. So that's I pray for. Uh, SST. I'm gonna I'm gonna go that route too, um, and and the work that they do in White Bear Lake. So, Pastor, as we t- speak about prayer, can you begin our time in prayer? I would love to. Good and gracious God, we thank you for being our Creator. You are the one who created Adam and Eve and the world perfectly, without sin. And what a blessing it was for Adam and Eve to live in that relationship with you and the animals and all of creation. And yet it is because of the sin of Adam and Eve, as they thought to be like God, that we are born as sinful human beings who want to be God ourselves. And yet it is by your grace that you promised Adam and Eve that you would send them a Savior. And that Savior has come. And I am so thankful that I live on this side of the resurrection because I know that through Christ's death and his resurrection, I will live again. And I pray, Lord, that those who are listening to this program also believe that and or will believe that someday because there is true joy and freedom in knowing that our sins have been paid for in full. And as we celebrated Ascension this past Thursday, we are reminded Christ is alive and he promises to take us to be with him forever and ever where there will be no more sin, there will be no more death, there will be no condemnation. There will be no more floods as you have even promised. We will never see the same destruction that is written in Genesis. So Lord, be with us today as we look at your word and we are at, and we ask for your blessings as we seek to understand some mysterious things that are mentioned in this text that are not as easy to understand as we would like them to be. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text, and you might have them, uh, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Pastor, this is a, a part of Scripture. Parts of it we've heard over and over again. Like I said, you, 
you have this little kid, you know, we had it in our own lives. We had our first child and everyone gave us all this Noah and the Ark uh, pictures and, and animals and stuff to put on your wall. And, and you kind of thought about it. I remember looking at it one time when I was holding my daughter, trying to get her to sleep. And I was thinking, that Ark was about destruction. And I'm posting it up in my kid's room, you know, my little baby's room. It's kind of funny how we do that. <laughs> But there's also yeah. other parts of this text where it's like, I don't quite understand it. So the most important thing is, how do we make sure that we are not assuming too much? And that when we do have questions, how do you want to start us off as we look at chapter six in the correct way? Oh, that's a really good way to think about that. Wow. Um, there's so much we could talk about with the art. And if yeah. you have not gone down to the art, the creation museum and the art that life-size art that is down in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I encourage you to do it. I was blessed to be able to do that a couple of years ago, and it is amazing what they have been able to come up with um, as far as what the animals look like, in fact, yeah, right, uh, based right. on fossils and so forth. I mean, it is, it's absolutely fascinating to see the technology that seems to have been what, Noah was able to create by God's grace with these, this information and the design, um, just the air purification, how they got rid of um, the animal waste, and on and on and on. So, I mean, as, as well as, like I said, the animals that are in there are not the lions and the tigers and the bears and the rabbits and everything else like that we think of in our world today mm. uh, based on the fossils. That again, that that's a whole. That's a whole other that's, program. That's a topic we could. That's a topic <laughs> we could spend a lot of time on. But you know, one of the one of the amazing things about that though is when you think about the ark, and Peter talks about the ark, and talks about how God saved them, and we use that in First Peter three to talk about baptism, yeah. and how God saves us. And when you think about the church, and the name of the church in Latin is the nave, the place where the people sit, you know, where we get the nave from as well. And and you think about the ecclesia, Greek word for that means called out, that God calls the church out of the world to be the body of believers that live together, that proclaim ultimately what Christ has done for us to all people everywhere. Um, and you just think about what does, what does it mean for us as Christians to be able to live together, support one another, be encouraged, and yet to share the love of Jesus Christ with the people that he places into our lives. And what a blessing that is for, and for us as well as what a blessing we can be for them. And so as you look at our text today, I, probably the yeah. best way is, is just, <laughs> and, and it goes with exactly what we're saying, is because yeah. there is, uh, we can read this, and if you don't put on Christ goggles, it is nothing but yeah. despairing. It is nothing but despairing. And so I love how you brought up baptism. You think of, of the bat, the um, the flood prayer by uh, by Martin Luther. It just brings it back together, so that when we have the questions about the text we have today, we are able to lean on those sure and certain promises that we have. And I like how you said it before, too, that what a joy it is to live on the other side of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus because we know what the hope is. 
And so with that hope, I think the easiest way for us to do is just start is just start digging in. Are you ready to start digging in? Yep. Okay. I am. Yep. We'll begin with verses 1 through 4, which, you know, I mean, generations have had controversy over this. And I think we'll figure it out in 10 minutes. So here we go. Um, Genesis <laughs> 6, 1 through 4. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, uh, of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took them as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord Yahweh said, "My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh; his days shall be one hundred twenty years." The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward. When the sons of God came in to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. There were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna just start this way that to you our listeners to know that this is a very complicated text. And for us to be able to very clearly say what we can say and not say what we can't say. I mean, that maybe is always obvious, but we want to make sure we say that. Because if you watch the movie Noah with Russell Crowe, you have something that is eh, a lot in there you can't say. Um, if you talk to just kind of far-off people um, that that kind of don't really believe the Bible but kind of want constant controversy, nah, they probably say a lot that we can't say either. We cling to what we can say. So with that being said, Pastor, where do you want to begin as we speak about the sons of God, the daughters of man, and the Nephilim? Well, I want to say, first of all, when I was at the seminary, I took a class on Genesis. (laughs) 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 So so over 40 years ago, when I was in that class, and we were taking a look at this in the Hebrew, and we were translating this, and the whole question is, what does it mean, the sons of God and the daughters of man? And what they said back then in commentaries is what is still being said today. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but there are a variety of different ways that it could be interpreted. So stress, they could be interpreted. But as with many things that we look at in the scriptures, the actual definition of what these things are it's truly a mystery. We literally look at the words, and that's all God gives us, other than giving us a little bit more destruction. So just to take it a look at from this perspective, one way of looking at it is the sons of God are actually angels. Somehow these are angels who came down to earth, and they saw daughters of men, they saw human women, and they had sex with human women, as um, it talks about in verse 4. They bore children to them. But you notice it says they took as their wives any they chose. So what does that mean? Does it mean that angels came down to this earth, saw women and raped them and had children as a result of them? Possibly. That would be a totally corruption. Not only did sin cause the corruption and obviously, and I shouldn't say caused, but shall we say, the temptation was there starting off with um, Cain killing his brother Abel, right? Well, actually starting off with Adam and Eve, but mm-hmm. and then Cain killing Abel, and then you go into what you've already covered and all of that stuff. But the point being, to take it to the point of angels coming to earth and having some angelic human beings, 
you know, would be a total corruption, which would ultimately lead to what we're going to move on to later when we get into verse five and following. But the whole point is otherwise, one of the ways to look at it is simply this. The sons of God could be the sons of Seth, the third son of Adam and Eve, the one who in the in the Hebrew, as the word Seth means, the appointed one or the substitute, the one that came to replace Cain, who Eve possibly thought was the Messiah, the promised one, already in Genesis 3.15. You know, there again, I'm not sure what you guys covered before, but that is an interpretation, you know, of what, you know, some of the different names and, and meanings mean. But the point being, could it have been, you know, Seth? children who were supposed to be more faithful to God because, of course, Cain, you know, was under a curse and his children then were under that curse. Did they take some of the daughters of men? Did they marry then some of Cain's um, descendants? And consequently, that was a corruption, you know, uh, as of old. You know, we don't know the answer to those questions. We can just say these are possibilities. That what is clear is God is looking in verse three and saying, My spirit, the Holy Spirit, right, will not abide in man forever, because he's flesh and his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now I thought it was interesting to look at that hundred and twenty years because I remember at some point in my memory bank saying, oh, Well, a hundred and twenty years, God limited human life to hundred and twenty years after the flood. Well, it's actually right here. It's right before the flood, right? And it's because of the sin of people that God, and and perhaps angels, right? That God has limited our lifespan. Think of the lifespan Adam and Eve lived and, you know, um, Methuselah and so forth, which of course you've all covered. And, you know, that's a whole nother topic, which from what well, I don't want to get <laughs> I don't want to get into what all, all of that because you covered all of that stuff. But I have my thoughts and what I, you know, been told as to why human beings, you know, lived as long as they did back then. Anyway, if you want to get into that, I'll give you my opinion. <laughs> Not but right the now. Point being, I don't, I don't want your opinion right now. Keep going. <laughs> I know, I know. Like I said, I could you and I could talk a long time. Anyway, but the whole idea of, you know, this is corruption that sin has brought into this world. And the corruption, you know, is a horrific thing. And we see sin today in our world. You think about the people living in Uvalde right now who are living with that, the people in Ukraine, and how many other places where, you know, the sin of humanity, you know, is causing grief, you know, upon human beings. And maybe you're looking in your own life and what you are experiencing yourself. You know, that's a whole nother situation where we can say sin is evil, sin has been evil, and sin will always be evil. But thanks be to God, we live on this side of the resurrection, and we know that our sins have been paid for in full. Let's go take a look at verse 4, though, also, the Nephilim. The Hebrew word, is that's literally a Hebrew word. That means the giants were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, this is the only place, if I remember correctly, that we find Nephilim in the Hebrew Bible. And as you think about it, there are some people who think that this is, uh, these were mighty men of old. They were thugs. They were tyrants. They were, 
somehow admired by the people because they were able to get things done and they were able to control in whatever way that means because physically they were capable as giants, you know. But does that mean when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, they bore children? Did the Nephilim have anything to do with the sons of God and the daughters of men? We don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating. You just find in verse 4, the Nephilim are mentioned. And just kind of leave it there for, <laughs> for you to ponder and try to figure out, what does this mean? And rather than trying to spend a lot of time, you know, trying to figure this out, my advice is simply this. Look at this and recognize there are possibilities, but there are things we are meant to understand and there are things that are, we are meant not to understand. A long time ago, I told you, I, no, I didn't tell you this, Brady, but I'll just tell you this. I read an illustration which said this. When you are reading the Bible and you are trying to understand what something means, but you can't read it and you don't understand what it means, think it's something more like eating fish. Because when you're eating fish, you're looking for the bones to take out so you don't swallow those. So when you come across a piece that you do not understand, think of it more like a bone from that fish that you just take aside and set, set down because you don't want to eat it right now. You're not ready to. But take the time to eat the meat. Focus on what you can understand and apply that to your life. And know that if God wants you to understand what that bone is or that thing is that you don't understand, God will reveal that to you someday. Well, and that's that's what we cling to. I appreciate the the breakdown where we do and we're able to do this as Christians, as Lutheran Christians especially, is you get to the end of it and you're able to say heartily, we don't know. We ask for wisdom on it. Uh, we ask that the Lord would would bless it by this inspired word of God. And we end with, we don't know. But the rest, I would say, we know quite a bit about. So is there anything else, Pastor, right. verses 1 through 4, as we um, move on, before we move on? I think we're good. Okay. All right. Verses 5 through 8 will continue. The Lord Yahweh saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, now, Pastor, <laughs> these verses, besides verse 8, verses 5 through 7, are not exactly the ones that you want to just say amen at the end. Um, you want to make sure you know the rest of the story. But this shows something about God that we don't normally see, which is him grieving um, the reality of humanity, actually wanting to blot them out. What does this tell us about God, or what are your thoughts? Well, I think this is a good illustration of the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, when, you know, we talk oftentimes about the law and the gospel. You know, the law condemns us for our sins, right? And the gospel sets us free. You know, and the law is there to tell us what we are to do, what we're not to do. You know, the gospel tells us what God has done, you know, for us. And so as we think about those things, you're still here, right, Brady? I'm still with you. 
Okay. Somebody, I, I, every now and then I get your phone call and the, or somebody's trying to call me. I think oh, so. Nope, we're if good. you don't hear me, you'll call me back. Okay. I, I will call you back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so as you take a look at this, that whole wickedness of man, though, you know, it, it was great. This, this is all the precursor to the flood. The stuff that we know, why did God send the flood? It's because of wickedness of man. You know, and we think, look at our world around us today and we go, well, hey, it, you know, it looks like the world's going to end pretty soon because the world is so corrupt. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. You know, but um, we living in the United States, we have really no clue about how bad it is in so many other places of the world. There are glimpses in our own lives, perhaps. You know, we look at this, that, that situation. But look at what he said. Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. These are people and their view. Men, women, children, evil, wicked people. They don't have, in a sense, the goodness, you know, the desire to love, the desire to serve. They don't have the spirit of God living inside of them that we have living on this side of the resurrection, right? That the Holy Spirit places into us. So when it tells us the Lord was sorry, this shows us that our God has human-like traits, if you will. You know, that he, you know, was sorry he made man and he grieved him to his heart. Have you ever felt in your life that you were sorry? that you had your children. <laughs> are there ever any times, <laughs> or maybe, you know, are you ever sorry, you know, that you married your wife or your husband because of something that they said or something that they did? Did they, did that situation grieve you? I think all of us have had times in our lives where we have experienced a grief mm. because of some type of a sin, you know, and we wanted to say no. You know, let's, let's get a divorce. Let's, you know, let's send our child to foster care. Let's do whatever the case may be, right? Mm. You know, in the sense that you're saying, I'm done with you. I'm done with you, right? Well, what does God say in the, in the parable of the prodigal son or the waiting father, right? Does God give up on us in Luke 15? No. God says, I love you and I care about you, Right? I love you and I care about you. And I love that son. I love that daughter. I love that spouse so much. You know, I'm not going to blot them out. No, I'm going to save them. That's where uh, instead of saying blotting out destruction, you can see the red blood on the cross and Christ delivering us through his resurrection from the dead. And that's what you need to think about in here. God not God doesn't blot out humanity. God erases our sins. He has erased our sins. But for God to be sorry that he made humanity, I think it's right for us as we look at all the sin that exists in this world, especially when we take a look at all the things that people have done against us. Let's not talk about what we have done. Let's talk about the things that other people have done for us, right? I mean, there's times where we're sorry that we've made them. We're sorry we're, we have that relationship with them. But that's where God calls on us to seek reconciliation, doesn't he? Because we as sinful human beings need to be reminded, even though humanity is sinful, even though in our own world, even in our own lives, 
we too cause grief. We too cause sin. Let us, instead of being the sinful people, let us be the peacemakers. Let us seek to be the reconcilers. Let us seek to be the ones who forgive as we have been forgiven that we talk about in the Lord's Prayer and so forth. Pastor, this okay. is something we. Uh, this is something that is so important. I remember asking, "Why is there so much destruction in the Bible?" Um, there's just so much, and and one of the comments I heard from a pastor was definitely pointing to this. We do not deny the destruction, the war, the killing, the death that happens in Scripture, as we don't nowadays. We don't say, "Oh, that war in Ukraine is not there," but when we look at the Scripture, we through the, see it through the lens of Christ. We're able to see that is God is continually pointing us to why we need a Savior. And I think verses 5 through 7 is probably one of the most clear passages in Scripture to why we need a Savior. And I want to talk more about that on our other side of the break. We are studying Genesis chapter 6 with Pastor Bob Gerke, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. Welcome back. We're studying Genesis chapter 6 with Pastor Bob Gierke of SST Lutheran Church in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. See, I got it right. Did that work? That worked out pretty well. Yeah, it works for you, man. <laughs> it works for a lot of us around here, let me tell you. So, Pastor, I want to highlight this one last part of verses 5 through 8. Um, is It says this, and it's so intentional that it says this, um, the Lord saw the wickedness of man. It was great on the earth. Now, a lot of times we might just stop there. Oh, the world's a mess. It's a mess out there. But he really shows how much of a mess that every intention of the thoughts of his heart. Okay, so not some, you know, we will do this a lot in America or in our modern world. Well, sometimes I, you know, make a mistake. You know, sometimes, oh, this is not very often, but I do sometimes. But as every intention of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually just in case you were wondering if scriptures ever emphasizes something this is the moment right only evil continuous so there is no room for there's something good in that heart of theirs it is pure sin and the only way that they are saved is pure grace any thoughts on that or anything else five through eight yeah well and here this is really one of the hardest things for people today in our world to hear People want to say God is love. God would never do this type of thing. They want to deny this reality. Uh, when I was working on my doctor of ministry degree, I took a class where we were talking about this whole thing and the view that so many different denominations actually have, where they don't want to recognize the destruction, the consequences for sin. Uh, and when I was working on my doctor ministry, we were talking about um, after 
the um, Exodus situation with going into Canaan and Israel once again with Joshua and, and the group, you know, and, and how they were, you know, told by God to destroy the people, right? Even the animals because of the sin and the corruption. <laughs> we want to go, wait a minute, why? This doesn't make sense. God has got to love. God would never do something like that. Well, the reality is, yeah, he would. And in fact, when you take a look at the scriptures, when you look at what Jesus said, even in the New Testament, the day will come. When Jesus comes again in glory, Matthew 25, God's going to separate the sheep, the believers, from those who are not believers, the goats. And those who believe will live with him forever and ever in a new and glorious resurrected body. And those who do not will be raised to destruction for all eternity. So when you take a look at this, you know, we are reminded that God is a God who has to keep his word. God is a God, a just God. And, you know, it's, it's like we say as parents, if you tell your child that you are going to discipline them in this way, when they disobey you and you do not, dis- and you do not punish them, you do not discipline them as you said you would, then you are teaching them that you will not follow through with your word. Well, God is a God who follows through with his word, whether we like it or not. The good news is he followed through with his word, with his promise in sending Jesus to be our savior. But Jesus had to take on himself the punishment for our sin. All of this corruption, you know, you take a look at the flood, right? And you take a look at what happened with that flood and the promise you know, that was there. You know, what, what God has done is God punished all of these people. They died because of the corruption, because of their sin. Were there any innocent people, you know, that died in the flood? Any of the people who believed in Jesus, that believed in God and his promise? We don't know. It's possible. You know, we have, we have so many people that take a look at all of the different you know, evil that takes place. You can take a look at 911 and when the towers fell, were there any believers that died in, the, in that tower? Probably, you know, but God is here to lift us up and to help us when we grieve. He helps us to see that the end is not death. The last enemy to be overcome is death. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. We see this, too, in the midst of this pure evil and brokenness. It could have easily ended at verse 7. and Just like, yeah, "Yeah, let's destroy them all, and we'll just start over. You know, maybe we won't use mud this time to create the man. (laughs) We'll use something a little more profound, right? Uh, I don't know what they would use. But then verse 8 just shows, like you said, that grieving, I mean, this is Jesus weeps after Lazarus dies. He, he right. feels, uh, he knows, um, he knows what we're going through, especially in the incarnation. In verse 8, we see the compassion of our Lord because then it has the one. But Noah found uh-huh. favor in the eyes of the Lord. So there's that. I remember uh, uh, the dab of grace is one professor would talk about with us. Where is that dab of grace that there was one that the Lord found favor in? So any thoughts on Noah? It's fascinating, just short, short dynamic. We don't know much about Noah, but we do know that he found favor with the Lord. That's a profound verse. What are your thoughts? 
that is one of the most fascinating things, I think, just like you said. You know, what does this mean, you know, that he found favor, you know, with God? It, it's kind of a crazy thing, I think, that God would, by his, you know, literal grace, you know, save him. It's not, it, it doesn't tell us that uh, Noah was um, smart. doesn't tell us that he was strong. It doesn't tell us, you know, anything, you know, about why God said he had favor or grace upon him. And, uh, you know, as I'm, as I'm looking at in the Bible works under this great, the word it's haze in the Hebrew, and it means, um, could mean agreeable charm. It could mean a pleasing quality. It could be, you know, this favor, like a wife with her husband, you know, could be to find pleasure or satisfaction or spirit of compassion. So it, it's an interesting word, but it doesn't tell us anything other than, you know, he found, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I don't think that the word found is as probably as good of a translation or for us to understand because it almost sounds like Noah was out there looking, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, um, but rather, you know, God found him. Right. Like we talk about amazing grace, how sweet the sound, you know, uh, for by God's grace, are you saved through faith and not of yourselves? It's a gift of God, not of words that no one, you know, should boast. You know, this is not that Noah was looking. It's that God was looking and God found grace in Noah. God gave grace to Noah because you can imagine Noah. This is what I think, at least, when I think about Noah. Um, he's there doing his own thing, and all of a sudden, God says, Hey, Noah, um, I got a job for you to do. Who, me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and then you think about, you know, Noah being told by God all the different things that, you know, we'll look at some of the things in, in the rest of the chapter. You know, and it's like Noah sitting there going, oh, Wait a minute, who, me? You want me to build an ark? Right, this huge, big boat out here, far away from the ocean, big body of water, Mediterranean Sea, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, people are going to call me a fool. (laughs) You know, I mean, we see all these different things, you know, the mocking and everything else like that. And I was going, yeah, well, you guys can laugh now, but I'll get the last laugh. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like... you guys have no clue. And, and you can just imagine the ridicule. Have you ever been ridiculed? We should could probably just keep moving to the next verses there is what I'm kind of thinking. Right. Maybe rather than just kind of focusing on the favor. But I think that's the way we have to look at it. We is do. Don't look at it as Noah was looking. Looking at it as God was looking. And what was it that he saw in Noah? Who knows? I'll just, I'll just simply say this. What does God see in you? Right. Right. And that's why it's only you know? by grace. And that goes into our next yeah. two verses. And it's yeah. so it's so important um, for us to focus on this. But I will say this, uh, this little side note. I remember as a kid watching, you know, cartoons at Sunday school. And they were good. I mean, it, it, they're etched in my memory because I, I remember them very clearly. You know, the, the teacher would read the Bible story and then you would probably watch a little video on something and in those yeah. days, you had the old VHSs, and we thought they were the greatest things since sliced bread. And and I remember we were watching this, 
And they said, and Noah, you know, basically Noah was called by God to make this ark. And then it had at least 10 minutes of trying to describe how long it took for him to do it, trying to describe how the people reacted to it, you know, yeah, the people that yeah, made fun yeah. of him. And there was this big ark in the middle of the land. There's no water. And then they'd make fun of him and all this. And I'm like, wow, that's all in the Bible. Well, guess what? It's not the Bible at all. You know, it's not there at all. So it's it was fun for kids, but it was not exactly there in the Bible. So all we know is really, okay, Noah found favor in the Lord's sight. He told him to build it. He built it, and then they, and then, then the waters came. That's all we know. That's just another example of uh, maybe it's good for Sunday school. I'm not trying to argue that it's horrible or something, but let's, keep, let's let the word speak in what it says. So let's read verses 9 and 10 yeah. as we hear a little more. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So, Pastor, it, we well, you hear those words again, and I want to just have you reemphasize this. It says that he was righteous and blameless. That doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense because we know indeed that we're all rotten sinners and deserving nothing but condemnation. What is he saying? Well, this is one of those wonderful things for us to be able to say. For some reason, as Moses wrote these words down, as we believe he did, God directed him to say that he was righteous and blameless. Simple put. We know he wasn't. He was a sinful human being like you and me. But for some reason, God wanted these words to be written down. And I will simply say the only way that Noah could truly be considered to be righteous and blameless is because God has declared him to be right and blameless. Just as he has declared you and me to be right and blameless, through Christ's death and resurrection. And that's what Paul writes about, especially in Romans chapter 3, you know, and 6. And, I mean, Romans is full of that, right? But um, I think that's the, that's the best way for us to take a look at it. We know from a literal point of view, um, Noah was not righteous and blameless any more than you and I are righteous and blameless. Yet, what does God say to us? Mm. We are simul justus et peccator in Latin. We are at the same time a saint, a holy person in his sight. Right, and yet we are a sinner. Well, God looks at you as a saint. God looks at you as holy and righteous. Why? Because He says you are. And yet, you and I are sinners living on this side of the ultimate resurrection, the second coming when Christ comes again in glory. And I think that's the easiest and best way for us uh, to understand that. And that's you know, and it's perfect for us to. Remember, it's only by God's grace, as I said. I found it interesting. Noah walked with God, and we have that same same dynamic when uh, uh, Enoch, you know, walked with the Lord that we just yeah. saw in the previous yeah. chapter. And it just makes it makes me, you know, always brings me back to the hymnody when it says, you know, uh-huh. let us ever walk with Jesus, follow His example, pure. And that reminder of us walking through this life, and guess who's walking with us. Uh, is the Lord yep. himself. So it's, a, it's just a good reminder for me of every day needing that grace. Not only does he declare me righteous, but he walks with me. Therefore, I'm with you. Behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age dynamic. So it's very important for us as Christians and for you, our listeners, to continually remember that. So any thoughts on that, walking with the Lord, Noah, Enoch, and and us? 
I just have to tell you that this afternoon or this morning when I was doing the sermon and I was talking and I was quoting because this is Ascension Day and I was talking uh, about this woman who had died and had been a you know faithful and worshiper and faithful Christian for years and her sister was sitting in the front row and she has her oxygen on and they were raised in an Altima uh, at Trinity Long Prairie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and, and I'm, I'm quoting, you know, the Matthew 28, you know, and 19, you know, all authority has been given me that to go make disciples, you know, and what does that mean for us and what we are called by God to do. And I'd stop there and she'd go and she'd sit in the front row. She goes, and lo, I'm with you always. <laughs> you know, I mean, I could hear it. I could hear it enough. It was, was awesome. Right. Wow. You know, and. And so I ended up saying that. So when it comes to walking with God, though, too, just getting back to, you know, your whole question, you know, walking with God simply means this. How do you know what God wants you and me to do? It's through the word. And it's not what the name is for this program. And it's not what we're seeking to do with people. It's through reading the word of God. It's through prayer that you and I can walk with God knowing that God calls us to be faithful. And when we're not faithful, what does God call us to do? To repent, confess our sins, turn away from those sins, and hear from God, I died for you. I am with you always. You are a baptized child of God, and I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And that's God's promise you know, to you and me. So as we seek to walk with God, we're never going to be perfect. We're going to screw up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that we are going to regret and things that we're going to say that we wish we had not. But what does God say? I love you and I forgive you. And that's the promise that I, I see in here. And uh, what does it mean that Enoch walked with God? Well, still walking with God. And he's <laughs> <laughs> it still is. <laughs> I love it. Yep. So, Pastor, let's do this. We have about just under 10 minutes left in our time. I'll read the rest of, of this portion of Genesis chapter yep. six, and and it, it lines up perfectly with what you said. The the ark, the the ark encounter down in Kentucky. I've been there twice myself, and it is it is an amazing thing. So I encourage our listeners to kind of vision what's being said here about what will be built. We might not understand all the measurements and so forth, but just the inspiring and and awful, you know, I A W E full reality of what God is going to put together during this time. So let us hear the word of God, 11 through 22. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it in the cubit above. And set the door of the ark in this side. Make it lower, second and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. 
They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in you to keep them alive, and take with them every sort of food that is eaten, and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did all this, and he did all that the God had commanded him. This ends our text today. Like I said, there's corruption, but then for me, you're able to see that dab of grace of just the the building of such a, a, a boat. You know, I think about the boats that you see in Minnesota or so forth, but then to build all of this, and it's going to fit all the animals, two of each kind, everything that's going to be eaten needs to be eaten for, you know, how long it's going to be. This is just a, a, a sight that would have been to see. But what's your thoughts? The last verses. Uh, absolutely. And like you said, you've been down to see the ark, you know, that's been created, um, which visibly, and once you go inside and see all the different things, it's absolutely, you know, fascinating. But as I, as I think about the whole thing too, and you think about what Noah is, is being told in here, you know, that God is going to destroy everything. And yet God is going to rescue, save him, his wife, his sons, and his daughters-in-law. One would think that there are people that he knew that he cared about that would not be saved. Mm-hmm. One would think he's thinking to himself, why me, Lord? And, and thinking, I'm not worthy. You know, why'd you pick me? And, and it, I can only imagine what Noah would have been thinking, you know, about this whole discussion, <laughs> you know, that God, you know, had, you know, with him and, and telling him, you know, to do this, you know, would he have wanted to be, you know, like Abram and said, um, Hey God, how about if, uh, if, if there's, 50 righteous people, <laughs> right? So you let them live, you know, you know, well, how about 45, right? You know, there's no bargaining here. No. You know, so it makes you wonder why and how, if everybody, you know, was corrupt, shall we say, how was it that Noah and his family, you know, were able to be the ones who were saved? without having an arrogant attitude that basically said, you know, uh, too bad for you. We're not about witnessing to you guys anymore. You're going to see what's going to happen with the destruction. What about the daughters-in-law and their families? You know, I mean, these are the things from a human point of view I can't grasp. Mm. You know, how, why didn't they try to sneak their family members, you know, on board? Right. You know, why didn't they try to do this, that or the other thing? These are all, you know, especially when you look at all the other situations. Those are those are the questions that I I have, because I know people that I care about even today who are not believers and I want them to be in heaven. Right. Mm. And, And I but I know I can't force them, you know, to believe. I wish I could, you know, but I can't make them. But those are those are just some of the different things that as I as I think about this, I will establish my covenant with you. 
I'm going to make this agreement with you and you're going to be able to do this. And this is a blessing that I'm going to give you. And, and then the other thing that I think about is, you know, can you imagine Noah thinking, okay, with it, there's going to be the three levels, right? Um, every living thing of all flesh, I'm going to bring them in to the ark and keep them alive. Uh, God, how's this going to happen? Right. You want me to go trap them? You know, um, the food, how's that going to work, God? And, and, and God, when is this going to happen? <laughs> How much time do I have? Right, right, yeah. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, you know, as a person, you know, you just start thinking about all this stuff. It's like, I mean, was Noah kind of a carpenter maybe? Yeah. You know, were oh. kids, you know, did they, did they, you know, work with, you know, because it shows on, on the ark that they had kind of a carpentry shop and they had a smelting shop, I think, or whatever it's called, <laughs> you know, in terms of working with the metal, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Right. You want to go, well, wait a minute. What, what, what kind of guy was Noah? You know, what kind of guy was his kids? You know, what his sons, what, what about the daughters-in-law and, and Noah's wife? Were, were they gifted? What, what did all of them do during this time? Can you imagine Noah bringing all the people, you know, those, those five people together? Wait, five, four, five, right? Five. Right now it five just anyway. says it says five, yeah. Or well, four. Yeah. Does it ever say about his wife so far? It doesn't talk about his wife yet. Yep. Yeah, his wife yeah, his wife gets to come with him too. Yeah, right. I don't see yeah. that in here. You yet, your son. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's right there in eighteen. All for Pete's sake. You, your son, huh? Oh, you're right, your you, wife. Your son, okay. Your and wife. your son's wife. So eight people. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's eight. So seven seven other people. Can you imagine him saying? Hey, uh, we have to have a family meeting. God talked to me the other day. And this is what God said. Oh, really? How about that? Uh, maybe we should pray about this. Uh, how about a psych ward? Right. No, yeah, anyway. Right. Yeah, you're not getting out. You know what you're I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, how did all of this happen? You know? Anyway. Oh, wow. Those are all the fun things. These are all the fun things I, I like to think about at times. And of course, Again, does it really matter? Well, and I think one right. of the one of the great gifts that one how is he going to herd up all these animals? And right. if we we look at this through the lens of faith, this is about the only time that the movie Noah, I believe, got it right. Was uh, Russell Crowe movie Noah? I don't know, ten years ago, whatever that was. And and in that, it shows you know Russell Crowe Noah um, there mm-hmm. with the ship. Uh, the the ark and he's waiting it starts it starts raining and and mm-hmm. and and all of a sudden all the animals just start coming like god yeah. obviously god's like oh go find him good luck yeah it's gonna be hard to find you know some of those mosquitoes you know how are you gonna bring that on i yeah. don't know buddy you know whatever it might be and they all just right. show up and they naturally walk into the ark and and that's mm-hmm. something that i you know that's something that okay there it is and then how would you do yeah. this how would you do this how would this happen well you know what i don't know and but the beauty of all this is verse 22 yeah. god did this yeah. noah did this he did all that the yeah. uh, god commanded him once again yeah. only way he could do that was by god's grace and with his help yeah. so pastor we have about 30 about 30 seconds left how would you summarize our text today and encourage our listeners? Well, I think it's a good, a good message of law and gospel. Mm. God said that he would indeed punish, ultimately destroy humanity because of the corruption of sin. 
And yet, by his grace, he saved eight people in, through the flood by giving them this advanced warning and direction, this covenant, so that he would indeed save them by grace, gave them the courage, gave them the ability to face all the mockery and so forth, so that they might be saved. And we are blessed now in the New Testament, you know, with this image of the ark and how it reminds us of our baptism and how God saves us and God's promise to be with us always as we think, you know, during this time of Easter and and ascension, Christ is coming again. But as he's long as, and until he does, we are given that promise that he is with us always to the end of the age. Pastor Bob. Him be the glory now and forever. Forever and Amen. evermore. Amen. Pastor Bob Gerke of South Shore Trinity Lutheran Church in White Bear Lake, Minnesota, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 6. Pastor Gerke, thank you for bringing us his gifts. You're welcome. Glad to be with you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand. <laughs>